0: Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode with Amrit Sandhu. Amrit is an international speaker, podcast host, and founder of the Inspired Evolution. Certified by Eckhart Tolle's School of Awakening, he's also Mindvalley's Valley's Master Certified Trainer for Australia and India. Amrit delivers keynotes, talks, seminars, and workshops from the Inspired Evolution in Mind Valley in the United States, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Amrit's love for helping people stems from his own struggles with depression, which triggered his own personal awakening journey. He shares the tools of meditation and personal development, which helped him profoundly on his journey towards wholeness. From working as a civil engineer to speaking to the masses, Amrit found his purpose in a life of service through helping people evolve to the best version of themselves. He now helps others find their purpose and fulfillment through transformation and inspired action. Welcome to the show, Amrit.
1: Oh, brother, it is such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Love oh, being the, here.
0: The honor is mine. And one of the <laughs> the parts in your bio immediately just jumped out to me when I was reading it, which is just to, just to dive right into the deep end here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, you know, you talk about how your struggles with depression um, triggered your mm-hmm. own awakening and your journey. So can you mm-hmm. give us a snapshot into your life around that time of what the depression was like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, to give you the raw honest truth of it, I was self-medicating a lot, um, probably, you know, uh, with marijuana, um, smoking a lot. Um, I remember there was a clear moment where I realized I was just, like, I couldn't get out of bed to post a letter. I had one task that day, which was just to mail a letter. And, like, I woke up, sat in bed, chilled, Looked at the letter, stayed in bed, just could not get out of bed for the life of me, just could not get out of the bed. And uh, that was like 9am that I woke up and got around to five, six o'clock and the letter was still sitting there. And that was my one task for the day and I couldn't even do it. At that point, I knew something was up, like something was wrong with my system because a letter is something that like, if you look at my, <laughs> like, if you look at my day-to-day lifestyle now, my calendar would probably overwhelm most people, don't <laughs> you? Um, but. Yeah, letters is something you just get. You know, you just drop it in as you're doing all your other tasks. But um, yeah, the the depression was it was thick, it was dense. Um, that was probably one of the moments where it was most um, present to me that something was up. And then the the kind of brunt of it, the real crush of me realizing that um, what I actually had was depression was um, for. I was basically in university at that time, and I was stu- I was meant to be studying and attending my classes. In fact, what I did was I had a retail job, I had an engineering job as an urban planner, I had a job as a bartender. So I had three jobs, wow. and I was meant to be going to uni. And in fact, what I was doing was as a as a young man, I was earning the way I was looking at a time, like fat stacks. <laughs> I was uh, making a mad amount of coin and I've had the privilege of, I think it's 58 countries now that I've visited. Um, and I would just save my money travel, save my money travel, earn money travel, earn money travel. Um, but this thing called university, which was everybody around me in my ecosystem. And I kept like I kept fronting like I was doing well at uni. And because I was always I could always rest on my laurels. Like I graduated high school like really, really well. I've always been academically pretty sound. Um, so that when it came to university, it was an independent learning environment and no one was there looking over my shoulder. So I was just kind of like set to the wind and just, you know, just doing my own thing. And it got to the point where the university finally turned around and said, dude, you're not even rocking up to your exams. Like we're kicking you out. And I was just like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're kicking you out. Like you're done here. And in that moment, instead of turning around to everybody in my ecosystem, my friends, my family been like, Hey, by the way, like, I've just been like lying to most of you for the last three years, six years, whatever, <sighs> instead of, coming face-to-face face with that fact, um, I basically spun a lie to everybody and just continued to dig the trench of dishonesty. And that was and what that the crux. Like
0: when you say, like, uh, like, what were you telling people?
1: Yeah, so literally I turned around to people and I said, hey, like, I am i didn't get kicked out of university for non-attendance. I said, I got kicked out of university because I, um, at the time, I said to my family that oh, there was uh, this speculation that I was cheating on something. Right. For yeah. me, somehow that was the lesser of the two evils. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, which was a complete, complete fabrication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at some point, um, a family member of mine called the university. And the university was in the wrong to do this. But again, notice like there is no right or wrong. There just is. They let them, they let that person know that contacted the university, this family member of mine, that actually he didn't get kicked out for cheating. He got kicked out for, you know, poor grades. And, the university is not meant to disclose any of anyone's private information to anybody. Right. So mm-hmm. technically they did the wrong thing, but it's a blessing, right? Because that person, when I contacted them and said, you disclose at the time I was freaking out, I was like, you told my family member that, right. And then they were like, yeah, but I thought it would be better for them to know that actually you've just been struggling to keep up with your grades. than for them to think that you're someone that is cheating, mm. you know, and it was interesting to watch that person's moral code and conduct and realizing that, Oh, there's something like, you know, there's something wrong here, you know, like, not like, from going from someone that was literally like I got the the top award for sciences and maths in my school when I graduated um, high school and year 12. And then all of a sudden, like getting kicked out of university is like a bit of a, there's something going on there. So when my family members found out, they confronted me, um, and, then it all started to, to fall apart. And I had nowhere to turn, nowhere to hide. It was a lot of tears. Um, and I basically ended up in a psychologist's office because I had nowhere else to sort of turn to. And when I ended up in front of the psychologist, the psychologist in her infinite wisdom turned around to me and said, you know what, you're going to be all right. And I remember looking at her and I was just like, what? You know, like I've just shared like, all this stuff, you know, like I've given you the abridged, abridged version of it. And she's like, yeah, you're going to be fine. And I was like, how can you, how can you just say that? You know? And some part of me was pissed off. Cause it was like, you've just literally just told me that, you know, the depression seems like it's been there for five to six years. Um, through, And right now in a couple of months, I think you'll be relatively, you'll be on a really good track again. And her response was that actually it's mostly got to do with the fact that you're aware. And this is something that I've subsequently learned through my coaching and learnings from Eckhart Tolle is the way Eckhart Tolle puts it is the awareness is the shift. Right? And that's a big thing that I'm consistently coaching my clients these days, which is once you're aware, the shift has already happened. Right? And this is what she was alluding to in the moment. You're aware something's wrong because your whole world's come crumbling down around you, right? Like everything is gone to, in need of a better way of putting it, to shit. Um, so you're aware that something needs to shift, something needs to change. Most people, and this is what she was telling me at the time, was most people that are in her chair, they can't come face to face with the fact that something's wrong. Yeah. So, in its infinite wisdom, the universe, the way that it had landed, even the university disclosing my information when it shouldn't have, was a blessing in disguise for me. At the time, I felt so wronged, so victimed, so wrongly done by. I can't even begin to put it in words for you. But in that moment, she, um, yeah, she she diagnosed me. And then the the thing that she said right after was, You're going to be okay. You need to embrace honesty. And that was this, it was this moment where literally the the rug from underneath my feet came out because that thread that she pulled on, that word honesty was literally everything. It just started like, that was what just like, and you know, like the whole thing started to just unravel from there. And I was like, fuck, she saw right through me, you know, and I didn't realize so much at the time but subsequently having done plenty of work on it. And then, you know, being a coach, I'm intimately aware with what happened in my process. Um, What basically happened was I grew up always fronting, always putting my best foot forward. Right. Um, I don't want to blame anybody. There's definitely no blame in me um, around this, but I just grew up in a culture that is Eastern, like, like an Indian culture. And in our culture, It's, there's so much, there's so many people in that country, population, pollution, corruption, like it's a really corrupt country as well. This facade of keeping up appearances, like you have people that don't necessarily live in the nicest places, but they drive seven series BMWs, right? Because it's when they go to meet people and they interface with people, they want to have an image that they put forward. Um, And I don't think it's a reflection on my parents, like they're lovely people, but like little things is where it would creep in. Like my mom would always be five minutes away. And I was like, I can hear you, you're in the shower, you're not even like dressed or in the car, like you're still going to be another 35, 45 minutes, you know, but it was just these little things that you don't realize are cultural sort of mindsets, Um, cultural values is actually what they are, right? So in there, I didn't realize that I grew up with a certain set of values in a society that was operating with different set of values. I thought everybody was just putting their best foot forward all the time. And the real self, the authentic self was just a couple of steps behind it about to integrate into that. That was kind of my understanding of the whole world. And I thought everybody was doing that. But then when my whole world came crashing down around me, I realized, no, they're not actually in the Western culture. Most like, just be honest. Like, even if you like today, like I was, you know, I I hit you up and I was like, Hey, like, I'm going to be late to our, to our podcast. Right. And I was like, I let you knew in advance that I was going to be 15 minutes late. Right. The old Amrit would have just swept under the rug, rocked up late and just been like, oh, when I was crossing the road, something happened. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is like 10 years ago now, like it's ages old. But um, But that was kind of the journey that I've gone through. So that was me realizing that the values of the society that I'm living in are incongruent with the values of the societies that I was, the values that I was raised with. And that's where there's this discrepancy because I'm fronting all the time and people are expecting that to be my truth and they're holding me accountable to that truth. And I can't live up to the fronting truth of who I am because I'm fronting, right? And so in there, it was like, you need to become really honest with yourself. And that was the exercise that the psychologist ran me through. Now, at the time, I didn't have all of this jargon around it, but it was literally, she was like, embrace honesty. And we went through this exercise of me embracing honesty. At the time, the exercise was really bullshit as well, if I'm honest with you. Um, but I also was had this deep desire to change. So I realized that the exercise was only going to be as lasting of an impact as, as much of I brought myself to the exercise was how much of an impact it would have on me. And I was so desperate to change that I gave it my everything and made a commitment to basically be honest. And just to, the last little bit of that story is, you know, from there, So that was my first realization of values, you know? And even in that moment, I didn't really unpack it to be values until I started growing into personal development, but that was my realization around honesty. And the cool thing was I started realizing I could rewrite my operating system, right? Like there was software inside that was like, oh, there's like, you know, the dishonesty piece, that is like a virus, dude. Like that just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and creates more and more and more problems. And you've just been running it and covering up lies with more lies. And you can't like that's just getting out of hand, and it's gotten to the oh uh, the the hardware store to get it fucking sorted out. So as at that point, it was like, all right, cool. Like I need to antivirus remove that. I need to install honesty. We need to opt like a whole new operating system, a whole new software. So from there, the second piece that happened was she gave me pills. She gave me these antidepressants, and I went to see my the doctor has a relationship with a a psychologist. So she gave me the pills. I went to fulfill the prescription just before I did. I had to check in with my doctor just to have a conversation around what the psychologist had said. So I'm sitting with the doctor and the doctor's like, did she give you pills? And I was like, yes. And she's like, cool. Glad you got the pills, by the way, just, I know you're going traveling and you're doing all these things. Check out this breathing exercise. I want you to write this down. And I was like, breathing exercise. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, and I like, I couldn't believe it. I was just like breathing. Like, is this really where you're going? With me? Like, like breathing, man. Like I'm like, I'm what, I'm like 20 now. now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been breathing my whole life. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't breathing. And you're telling me to breathe. And she's like, look, before we had a psychologist, you know, I used to do a lot of the mental health work. This stuff actually works, but well, there's, you know, there's more and more science coming up around it. Just write this down. And I literally just wrote down a five-step breathing program, which was like it counting your breath really, it's breathe in, one, breathe out, two, breathe in, three, breathe out, four, breathe in, five, breathe out, four, breathe in, three, breathe out, two, breathe in, one, breathe out. And I would just go in that cycle, just going one to five. She had me going to ten, but five worked better for me. Subsequently, as I kept working with this, and I wrote it down. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever," you know. And I got home and you know, like on the way home, fulfilled the, fulfilled the prescription and, and took my first pill. It was amazing. It was amazing, bro. So I took my first pill and I was bouncing off the walls. It was like. It was incredible. It was like I cleaned shit that I hadn't cleaned in years. I was sorting out like my room. I was just getting so much done. I was just like, this is epic, right? Like I feel really good. I had house music on at the time. I was really bouncing around. I was feeling really, really good. And then about three and a three and a half hours later, I crashed. Mm. And it wasn't even like I like I just I just basically came down off whatever the pill was. And, but it was such a stark place that it literally felt like I took drugs. Wow. Right. And so I was, (laughs) right. Uh Right. And so from that place, I didn't know much about myself, but as you'll notice the, the logo, the inspired evolution is the mind, you know, I've always been really like, conscious of my mind, my mindset and just, you know, and from there I was just like, I looked at the, the, the box of pills as my only lifeline as what it was at the time. I remember looking at it and just looking at it with such caution. I remember going over to the kitchen and just putting them in the bin and just going, this isn't the answer. And I knew I was stuffed because all I had was the pills and this diagnosis and this commitment to being honest. That's literally all I had. Um, and I knew the pills helped because I felt so good and I got so much done. But it was as soon as I came down, I was like, I'm not going to be this guy that's spending his life going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. That wasn't like it just was not part of my prayer, even back then. So it was, you know, and as a young man, like that's quite a frightening place to be. Yeah. It's like, you've just realized you've got depression. And you know, for me, it was kind of nice to hear that I had depression for those tuning in. Like some people say labels don't serve you labels that label really served me. It really helped Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden it was like, Oh fuck, this is that thing that they're talking about. One in two people have in their lifetime and it's okay to have it. Like I've got it. Oh shit. Okay. Like I now get it, you know, like um, it was, it was actually like, it let some pressure off just realizing that's what I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, like, the, the challenge that I had was knowing that I had it, but then didn't have a like a uh, of like anything to support me through it. Mm, other than so they as you, that they gave you. Right. And so lo and behold, one of the things, as you can imagine, I would have had to do because I had to clear out of uni was go clear out my locker. So I went back to uni for the last time to go clear out my locker and I'm there and, and depression and anxiety are very closely linked. If you don't mind, I'll just do some, some sharing here really quickly. Having been a mi- mindfulness meditation teacher now, they're closely linked and they treat them very similar. And this is why mindfulness helps so much. Because basically, if you spend a lot of time thinking about the past, your thoughts are depressing. Mm. Yeah. And if you spend a lot of time thinking about the future, your thoughts are provoking anxiety in your system. Right? So, oh, I should have done this, or I could have done that, or I could have done this better. Or oh, did I do that? Or did I can you feel how like it's mm. Like it's Mm -hmm. sort of, it's those thoughts have that frequency of sort of pulling you out or I could, or maybe I should, or maybe I could uh, actually, or have I, oh, that's interesting. Maybe tomorrow, maybe I could do this or maybe I could do that. I wonder if Jake is going to ask some good questions. uh, Can you see how like that's speeding me up? And that's kind of like creating this, uh, like it's speeding things up. That's Mm -hmm. the frequency of anxiety, right? So looking forward, projecting into the future brings in anxiety. Looking into the past brings in depression, right? Now, there's nothing to demonize about looking backwards and looking forwards. It's how we got here. Right. If we ha- like, if we hadn't learned from our mistakes as a species, we would not be as rampant 7.6 billion on the planet as we are. Yeah. And if we hadn't learned to plan for the future, we wouldn't have a planet where we could accommodate 7.6 billion people. And you can argue how well that's going hashtag inspired evolution. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like there's, you know, it's still our ability to plan got us here, like webcams, microphones, me talking to Jake from the other side of the planet right? Um, but the challenge becomes when we don't anchor ourselves in the present moment, and we spend more time in the future locked into our anxiety or more time in the past locked into our depression and depressing thoughts. So if you can just come back to the present moment, because in the present moment, you will find even to those tuning in, obviously, this is a little bit biased because you're listening to me. So I'm making it sound like it's amazing because you're listening to me, but You've got headphones, you've got a device, you've got the ability to tune into amazing conversations all over the world. I have the amazing blessing right now to be in front of, in a beautiful home, beautiful running water, gardens, beautiful environment. I get to speak to an awesome human on the other side of the planet that's literally, i like, recently met, there's like a complete brother to me. It's just, the present moment is always so freaking rich. Mm. Yeah, it's always amazing, right? But as soon as you sort of breathe into it, You come you're grounded there's no problems there's really very rarely is there problems if there is then you're in fight or flight mode yeah otherwise you just chilled yeah and then your mind will go oh and then i wonder what you're gonna do tomorrow and boom you're back into an anxious thought which is cool Mm -hmm. like it's fine to go there but come back home here make this your home not this your home and then just hear from fleeting moments right Mm. so that's the that's the that's the challenge there so sort of come back in on that tangent and that teaching I'm walking down the corridor and I'm unpacking my locker and the walls are closing in and I can literally feel it like what the like I'm like I feel out of place because this was the place that I've been lying about to everybody and I'm back in the back in the corridors don't want to bump into anybody before they see me and they're like oh what are you doing clearing out your locker and all that shit like Mm -hmm. all my stuff's coming up and I literally feel the walls closing in and now I can identify that as anxiety right at the time, it was like, what? And so I had no idea what it was. I just felt this constriction. And one of the things I didn't realize, and one of my favorite books on depression, guys, is Lost Connections. If you want to read a book, mm. oh man, Lost Connections. It talks about how depression, anxiety, it's all about connections to self, connection to nature. It's all about connection. And my highest value is connection. And again, our values come from our biggest challenges. My biggest challenge was depression, right? So connection. And I didn't realize I did this thing. I pulled out my phone from my pocket to call someone. And I used to be this guy that we, it was the age of no social media. I used to spend an hour on the, on the phone to my friends. I'm not sure if people can relate, um, but I used to literally just pick up the phone, speak to a friend for an hour just while I was doing shit. Like I would have my headphones in talking, 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 and just shooting the shit. Um, and then I'd hang up with one friend, call another one. We'd just be on the phone together, just chilling, just talking about whatever. And in... By some grace of God, I had put the breathing exercise in a clear cover in the back part of my phone that I had at the time. And I pulled out my phone and I was backwards and I looked at the breathing exercise and I was going to call someone because I was looking to connect, right? To get away from this situation to connect into another situation. It was a lost connection. So in there, I'm looking at the back of my phone and the breathing exercise there. And I'm like, all right, let's one, two. Three, four, five, four, three, two, one. And I shit you not, in that moment, my whole life changed. The walls physically fucking moved out. Like they literally just moved out and the whole corridor was just so broad again and there was just so much space in me and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Like it was legitimately like, you know, now I can tell you like the counting of your breath is the only thing that's happening in the most real time in your body, right? So it's bringing you directly into the present moment. The mind is always looking for things to do when it's untrained, right? So giving it something to count literally gives it something to focus on and it's focusing on the most real time thing that your body has. So it's like, boom, anchored into the present. Mm. So all the anxious and depressive thoughts can just sort of (sighs) settle because you come back into the present moment. And that was, and I didn't even know it was mindfulness then um, until about a year and a year and a half later, but that was my introduction to mindfulness. And that's where mindfulness completely healed and changed my life. Wow! Um, So that's the story of the depression and where it started to heal.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, there's so many things I could say. One thing that did come up for me is like, I personally haven't had, I mean, I've told many lies in my life, but it was really interesting for you to share that because it immediately gave me compassion for people I know who kind of have a tendency to um, lie. Of like, mm. you, like the way you explained that was the values of where you grew up It gave me such compassion for the, for people who do this because it's it's not like they're con- consciously maybe to some degree, but it's it's been an ingrained value. And through your journey, you realize that that, and with the help of that psychologist, you got yeah. the awareness about that, which I think. Yeah so, the va-
1: yeah. so the value system, yeah. The, the tradition where I picked it up from has it in there. Also, like I had a direct experience of me using it as a, like using lying as a tool and it getting me out of trouble and then me using it as in the future again, because it's like, oh, this works. Right. We're just creatures mm-hmm. of, of habit. Right. Yeah. So obviously my forefathers have been doing it for ages. Right. So that's handed down patterns, but then also we have the direct experience. So it may not be that people may just pick it up like they're in a really tight corner and then they don't know how to get out of it and they spread and they start a lie. And then from there it's like, Oh shit, like that worked. So the next time that they're, they're stuck, they, they lie again. Um, it's not all rosy by the way, because um, when I had to give up lying, my memory is now shot. <laughs> I used to have to remember all the things I had to tell everybody. And now I just, I live out of my calendar of my notes and my phone is so heavily abused with that app. Like I just, I don't remember shit cause it's just the truth now. It's just like, it is what it is. This is what it's <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's not all Rosie giving up lying. Just so you know, you, your memory goes to shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I, I have a question for you that mm. I think it will especially carry weight coming from you um, with your experiences with mindfulness, meditation, learning from Eckhart Tolle um, and all of your experiences, which is you said something to the effect, and you can correct me, um, awareness is transformation. What was the direct awareness line? Awareness is the
1: shift. Awareness is, is, the, is the shift. shift. Yep.
0: which I agree with. And especially yeah. if um, I find that I'm really good at like when a friend or someone's talking to me, I'll be like, look, you're aware of it though. like half the game. And I'm also like telling you right now, I'm aware of some stuff about me that are like blocks. Right. So then mm. maybe it's not fully in the subconscious, but I, I haven't exactly noticed myself shifting because mm-hmm. I'm like, not exactly sure what to do. Can you, can you elaborate onto that topic? Absolutely. Like, what is that Can I mean? share?
1: Yeah. So I love storytelling is like the most ancient art form, the way to sort of learn. Is it all right if I just share a story that ah, is.
0: Dive in yeah? bro. I, the way awesome. you talk, man, I can hear you listen. Like, <laughs> By the way, Touch your it. accent and just the way um, <laughs> you articulate experiences is, is brilliant. So dive in. Oh,
1: thank you for your blessings, bro. So yeah, the way, the, when I, the story that I like to use around the awareness is the shift. Um, when I share it to, to an audience live is I used to be a little bug again. This is like the, the listen to all the shit bits about Amrit, <laughs> but all good. Um, so I used to be a little bug old Amrit. way back when, yeah, <laughs> still, still, still evolving, always inspired, always evolving. Um, but yeah, I used to just literally eat something and throw my wrapper on the earth and I'm not proud of it. Right. Definitely not proud of it. Um, and just, that was just, you know, I, in my defense, if I had to provide a defense the engineer in me literally used to think there were street sweepers and cleaners and there was like um, meshes in the drains that would collect all the rubbish and discard of it properly. Like, that's just what I thought. Mm-hmm. And my wife, like now wife back then girlfriend, she would point the finger at me. Right. And she'd be like, dude, you got to stop that. Like that is a filthy, disgusting behavior. Like that is just not cool. Like that just, just stop, just no. And I was just like, <laughs> And I just drop it and walk on like really arrogant, really just, oh, toxic, right? Um, And it got to a point where one day she turned around and she said this one thing which changed everything, which was, you know, that goes to the ocean, right? She'd been harping on about rubbish and me and littering for like 18 months since Mm. we'd been together. But she said something different this time. What she said was, you know, that goes to the ocean, right? And I was like, no, it doesn't. She's like, are you serious? You're like an urban planner slash structural engineer. Like, yes, it goes to the ocean. I'm like, nah, street sweepers and cleaners and stuff. And she goes, Amrit, stop kidding yourself. It goes to the ocean. And in that moment, I saw the YouTube video that, 90% Ninety percent of the people that are, sorry I got goosebumps Ninety percent um, of the people that are listening here have tuned into. You've seen that video of the straw coming out of the turtle's nose and the straw is just as long as the turtle. Have you mm-hmm. seen that? Like they're I, pulling out with a set of pliers.
0: I've seen a variety, maybe not that specific one, but so many similar situations. Video, yeah. Big, so big, big
1: I saw person. that. Yeah, right. And so I saw that and. In that moment, I was like, I had that image flash into my head, that YouTube video literally played in my head, and I saw, and it was like, fuck, that's my straw. And I was like, shit, that's me. That's me. Like, when I remember watching that video, I was like, dude, that's messed up. Who would do that? But I never paired that to my littering. And the minute she said, you know, that ends up in the ocean, I was just like, oh, like, that's me, right? So the awareness dropped in that like, holy shit, I've been a fuckwit. Sorry, pardon me for my French, but oh, that's literally it, where it's at, right? <laughs> um, and it was like, it dropped in. Holy shit, I've been a fuckwit. Like that's that's been me. Now, from that point, I would love to stand here and tell you as of that point, as of that moment in time, lying in the sand, I never lit it again. I'd love to tell you the minute I walked out of the psychologist's office, I was never dishonest again. Well, that's not my truth. It's not my truth, right? It was a process. It's a total process from that point. So the next time I was walking along the street, I had my rubbish in my hand. Yeah, I literally threw it on the earth. Kept walking. Second time I was walking with rubbish in my hand. I was walking on the street. I just, I'd had, I'd had, like, I had this massive vision in my head, and I had this deep realization all the guilt associated with it, all the emotions, all the feelings. Second time, still just trashed my rubbish, kept walking. Like, a, yeah, like a fuckwit, still a fuckwit. Dropped my rubbish, third time, kept walking. It was actually about the fourth time where I had the rubbish in my hand. I dropped it and I paused for a sec. It was like a moment. I was like, remember the turtle, bro? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I kept walking. And the fifth time again, I dropped it, but I paused for a sec. And I was like, remember the turtle, bro? I was like, yeah. I kept walking, and the sixth time again, I dropped it. I paused, maybe a little bit longer. And I was like the turtle, and I was like, yeah. And I kept walking. It was probably about time seven where I dropped it, thought about the turtle, kept walking, and then I went, nah, dude, the the turtle. And then I went back, picked up my rubbish, and put it in the bin. Right. Now the eighth time was the same as the seventh. I ran, I was walking, put the like through the rubbish on the ground stopped, walked for a little bit, stopped again, walked back, picked up my rubbish, put it in the bin. Ninth time was the same. Threw my rubbish on the ground, walked past it for a while. And then I went and I f- like maybe even walked a little bit further. And then I was like, nah, shit, man, I got to go back and pick that up. That's going to the ocean. So I walked back, picked it up, put it in the bin. Now it was about time 10 that I literally went to go drop it on the ground. I was like, dude, I'm over this looking like a dickhead thing. Like you walk down the street, then you walk back up the street and pick up your rubbish and then you put it in the bin. Like it's, it's idiotic what you're doing. Okay. Where's the bin? And I started looking for the bin and I was like, okay, there's one up there. All right, go, I'll go put it in the bin. Time 10, put it in the bin. Time 11. It was like, all right, cool. I've got rubbish. And I went to throw it on the ground. I was like, ah, uh, okay. I'll put it in the bin. Where's the bin? All right. There's the bin. It was about time 12 where finally, without thinking about it, the, my first thought was where's the bin? Mm. And I threw it straight in the bin. Now, obviously you've got an enlightened community tuning into your podcast, bro. So I think people can, and you know, we've pre-framed it with the awareness as a shift. But when I ask the audience, generally, it's like, at what point did I shift? People are like, when you're throwing your rubbish in the bin, right? You can see the behavior change. The pattern has now changed. That's the reform that we were looking for and we got it. And the truth is, no. I changed literally the moment I saw the, 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 the straw coming out of the turtle's nose, yeah? The rest of the game, the rest of life was me integrating the shift into my tangible reality, my psychology, my mindset, whichever dimension you want to call it, spirit, emotion, intellectual. Intellectually, I'd had the awareness. I'd had the shift. The shift was there. The rest is what we call integrating, integration. The rest is me playing catch up with now the, aware- the shift of awareness that's created within me, me integrating that into my life. Now, certain times it'll take six months. Certain times it'll take six days. Certain times it can take six years to integrate a shift. Mm. Yeah. Now it's all about how much grace you can afford yourself on the journey. One of the worst things you can do, one of the worst things you can do. And I see this a lot as a life coach is be fucking hard on yourself. Yeah.
0: Okay. First, that was so brilliantly articulated and Just to interject, because I actually heard you tell that story more or less on um, it was another podcast. The way you told it this way, it just landed differently for me. Hmm. Here's my question for you, and I love what you were just saying about being hard on yourself because I'm guilty as fuck Hmm. as that person. As I'm pointing one
1: finger at you, bro, I got three pointing right back at me. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah, Yeah, but
0: but I think what I'm saying here is, I have a decent level of self-awareness where, like I was Hmm. sharing, like you know. Uh, For me, it's a story I have around dating and relationships as the Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. but like, and in terms of what's, what's the balance between a being hard on yourself, but b trying to make that change faster. For example, let's say I don't want to wait six years to integrate, or if I'm conscious of behavior, that's not like, is there anything that you have become aware of that can help someone um, close the gap, if you will, from where they are to where they want to be. Shorten the integration period, essentially.
1: Yeah. So it's bringing more awareness to your process, but not more judgment to your process.
0: <sighs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm.
0: And so if so, you can just, yeah,
1: yeah go on. That's
0: yeah. So by awareness, essentially just the observation in my body of how I'm feeling in the thought process I have around whatever the thing is that I'm trying to shift.
1: Mm-hmm. And also whatever like your other and triggers is a pretty masculine word. So I don't like to use it too much, but whatever the other triggers are as well, you know, um, it may be that this a certain relationship and partner or a certain behavior that is exhibited by the opposite sex puts you in a certain place. Right. And now if you're open to it and you're aware of it, that this happens all the time. Play is a really powerful word. You know, it's like, oh, well, I always go into this mode. Let me just try emphasize how it goes if I just behave a little bit differently, mm. right? So you can play a little bit differently, but you don't have to go fuck. I always go into this mode. I've got to do something fucking differently. And there's like filled with judgment, and you're just backing and berating yourself, and you're just treating yourself like shit. That part, that that's not you, a five year old doesn't change like that. You're not going to change like that. You need your own love, yeah, mm. to sort of bring you into a newer version of yourself, yeah. Um, and so from there, it's like, okay, cool. I'm not going to judge myself, and I'm going to be aware of how I normally operate but I'm also aware that potentially how I normally operate hasn't really yielded the results that I normally want. Yeah. Mm. And so how would this look like if it was easy? How would this look like if it was fun? How can I play in this space? Right. And it's not easy because it's, it takes some daring. It takes some courage to be a different person than who you are. Right. Um, it sounds easy, it's oh yeah, just play and have fun. And actually, no, it's not, you know, these are things like you're you're vaulted up and bolted up for a reason. You've got real fears around how you will be received against with the opposite sex potentially. But it's like, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play and see where this takes me, you know. And so that's where the awareness is is really important. Now there's gonna be points, again, where your awareness slips and it's like, ah, oh, I did that unconsciously again this time. Of course you did. You're in the process of integration. Every now and then you will litter again right? Mm -hmm. But it's okay. Don't be hard on yourself. You're just a human doing the best you can. Is it fucked up for the planet? Yes, right? But you're just trying to do the best you can, Mm -hmm. right? And there's plenty, plenty, plenty pulling you down. This is where it takes like a warrior's attitude to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps.
0: Totally. I love that story that you shared because yes, do we all love that story of you see one thing and you've just forever changed from that instant absolutely it sounds sexy you know Mm. we love that story and Mm. it's not the case all the time like I've had that moment where like literally in a second I shift but Mm. I think more often than not it's exactly what you said I had that first Mm. awareness and it takes time so thank you for and it landed so well hearing it the second time just tonight Mm. so um, I want to dive into something that I've heard you talk about which I've had to learn firsthand but I want you to dive give an explanation of this. You say, you talk about how your health is your purpose and your purpose mm. is your health. Can you elaborate?
1: Mm. Absolutely. I could elaborate for the rest of my life and I'd still be elaborating. That is the message of <laughs> <in> my heart. <laughs> it's pretty much, that is the, the heart of the inspired evolution and what's driving me to do everything. So um, just to give people an idea in terms of what's going on is I actually fundamentally see myself as a health coach. Um, always been in and out of the gym, always looking after my nutrition, hydration, like You know um yeah chinese herbalism tonic herbalism you know ayurveda always looking at all these things and just trying to stay on the edge of the slipperiness that is health you know um not fitness health yeah fitness is someone else's idea of what you should fit into and that is not fitness that's not health right that's fitness that's a mold and fuck the molds you're unique you're a thumbprint completely so just health what it means um it just so happens that Because of the past with depression, consistently being in like a gym junkie for like 10 years, I've worked on so many elements of my health, right, that the central piece for me, and it's not like this for everybody, but what I have had to learn, the central piece for me that I believe in was when I wasn't in the right headspace, right, everything else went to shit, right, everything else went to shit. Right. And there's podcast episodes in the inspired evolution. Now recently we did one, the body keeps the score. So if you're holding on to traumas, like even the way I used to work out was just like heavy weights, no stretching, no mobility. I was abusing the shit out of my body. Right. And like, that was, that was what was right for me at the time. It was an abuse. Mm. Yeah. So I wasn't, I was trying to fit. This is where the fitness, I was trying to fit into this image of what I thought was healthy for me, but it wasn't right. So to fast forward the journey from like, okay, I went through my journey of depression and then I actually had to shift states, move to a whole nother state in Australia, study really hard, went back to university, left, go off all my jobs and just focus on getting the, the, the qualifications that I wanted. Um, and then I got the qualifications of the engineering degree that I needed. And then when I graduated, and again, this is not to sound egotistical, but when I won this award, they there was a full process around it. And they asked me, "What would why, why should we give you this award as opposed to everybody else in the entire university? And I said, if you give me this award, it would have mean that my journey of my healing of depression would have been inspiring for me and I'll use it to inspire others. So I offer that back in that same energy just to honor where that came from. When I graduated university, I graduated top of not just engineering, not just my form of engineering, not just engineering, but the top of the entire university cohort that year, medical students, engineering students, legal students, everybody, Um, which just goes to show like. I got kicked out of one university and then I like duxed another university. So like your mental health plays such a massive part in how you navigate the world. Yeah. Like when you're compromised, you're fucked. You can't even post a letter. And when you're on your game, yeah, you're clocking universities. Yeah. Like that discrepancy is one person. That's me like, you know, and that's the story. And that's kind of, so when I graduated I then got the pick of the litter of wherever I wanted to work. I could work anywhere, right, here in Melbourne. So I chose the best job. And the day I got to my job, I remember looking at the CEO and going, that dude does, That dude's not honest, first of all. Those cheating into this episode, he wasn't honest, right? And he, like, he just, there were so many values. I don't want to berate him. Um, but there were so many values that were just out of alignment of who I had to become to be this version of me, which I knew was the right trajectory for me. But somehow I carried this image and I still do of we're going to be the change we, we see in the world. Like we're going to do that. Right? Like we're going to change the world that we're in. Right. There's this activist in me, I guess. And I just felt that was going to be the same thing in the organization. And I stayed with the organization, stayed with the organization, even though the very first day I knew I was out of alignment, this corporate ladder went to there and that is not where I want to be. But I stuck at it yeah, for years and years and years and years and years, seven years. Yeah. And then it got to a point where eventually I was just like, this is crushing my soul. Like this is actually, I got to the point where for those that, you know, maybe your audience is similar to mine, you've probably seen the Matrix, the second Matrix where Neo goes back to the machine city. He's unplugged, he goes back to the machine city and he sees the clouds covered and the humans actually covered the clouds so that the machines wouldn't get solar power um and then in their wisdom the machines decided that okay if we can't get solar power what what's a what's a solar generator human beings and they started harvesting babies and that's where they plugged everybody into the matrix so they felt like they were living but actually they're in this machine city the battery cells for the machines and you see them in those little red pods and humans are being grown as morpheus says and you literally just felt like a cell a part of the machine just the machine is just harvesting you for your energy that's what it felt like for me working in corporate construction, 6 to six, six a.m. to 6 p.m., six days of the week. That's not including the days where I had we had pushes and had overtimes. So I'd be coming home at 10, 11 o'clock sometimes, Monday through to Saturday. Sunday was just recover, right? And this wasn't a message that was – I was always carrying this message of health is purpose. So imagine knowing that my health is my purpose, my purpose is my health, and being subject to that. Yeah, it was intense, man. It was an intense lifestyle. And for a while there, I thought, you know what, I'm going to make it work, like, you know, we will be the change that we're going to see in the world. Like I legitimately thought that was going to come through and it didn't and it wouldn't. Right. And it just so happened that I'm going to go all the way on this conversation if that's okay. So this one, my wife went away overseas. Right. And she, it's similar. Like when you're in a loving relationship, you know, you go through similar frequencies at similar times. So she had a bit of an existential crisis. She's a dentist. And she was like, you know what, there's going to be more to life than filling holes in people's teeth. Like it just has to be (laughs) right. Like wake up, fill holes in people's teeth. I'm home, you know? Um, And it's interesting. I think dentists have like, well dentists are known to have a really high suicide rate. Um, touch wood. And I think the reason that is, is because they get paid so well for their services that actually they can take two months off and not have to come back to the office. So they're not actually plugged into the rat race as they're not like into, like uh, as interwoven into the rat race as everybody else's engineers, lawyers, you get enough to sort of make sure that you come back in next month. Yeah. yeah that's, that's legitimately how much you get paid. Right. So you're on the hamster wheel because if you think about getting off then it's like, Whoa, how do I pay the mortgage next month? How do I do this next month? How do I do this? And it's like, Get back into it. Right. But with a dentist, it's like, I could work, they they could work for a month and then three months just kick back. Right. And they can see over the hamster wheel. But when they look over it, it's like, whoa, shit, the ham, it's pretty fucking hollow. Right. That's where I believe the suicide rate is high. I may be wrong. That's just my perspective on it. So she goes traveling to, and she goes, I'm going to go find myself. (laughs) Meanwhile, everyone's like, are you going to just let, going to let your girlfriend just travel the world? And I was like, what do you mean, let? first of all you're in a completely different paradigm to what we are we're completely equal in this relationship is she got to go find herself she's going to go find herself right and secondly like if I which I do I love her if she's feeling empty in a relationship like empty not just in her relationship but like in life wouldn't I want her to be whole because most of my friends couldn't wrap their head around the fact that I would let her is the language they said? and I say that with like air apostrophes let her because There's no me letting any her or anything. She's her own person. But people were like, you'd let her travel the world for 12 months? And I was like, dude, if she needs to go fill up her cup, even from the most selfish position that I see it from, I want her to be as full as possible so I've got a full partner. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean let her? Anyway, so she went traveling and she had this existential crisis and she went traveling around the world to find herself. And she found music, which is such a blessing, Mm -hmm. right? um she now plays the guitar it's amazing like anyway it's a blessed so she on her journey found music and at that same time that was the first year every year we used to go to Europe together midway through the year and that was the first year I decided I wasn't going to go overseas I was just going to lock down the fort stay at home hold it down and just do my thing so I stayed home and the reason I'm going all the way with this is because there is actually cycles in nature natural cycles that we're embedded into right so summer Imagine the sun is all about expansion. I'm such a sun bear, bro. Too, <laughs> like <laughs> okay, <yeah>. summer <laughs> is about expansion and just being out open. And imagine the sun's rays, right? They spread and they just reach further and further and further. And autumn is almost like if you imagine the sun it and you fall, see a sun with a triangle, like instead of being a global, like a, a circle, like orb, the triangle, just sort of pops out like the leaves from the the trees start to fall. You start to con, like the the sun starts to contract a little bit because it loses the some of the triangles out of its shape and you can see the sun as that is shaped like a star and in winter so autumn's all about shedding so summer's all about expansion autumn's all about shedding winter's all about contraction so the sun comes in even more it's still like orbular like the summer sun but it's so tight and small now winter is quite contracting but it can be very purifying when you you can a way of purifying things you don't have to like you know put really hot water you can also freeze things and thaw out the impurities Mm -hmm. right so it was really purified. And then spring is all about, you know, opening up again and learning to expand. Like it's like setting new seeds and opening up. And then summer expansion again. It's this breath that the earth is taking that we're on, that we're taking with it. Yeah. Now I share that with you because this was. The first time that I stuck through a Melbourne winter, every year we cashed in on two summers, we do Melbourne summer, it'll get to autumn and we'll be like, peace out Melbourne winter, fuck the cold. And we'd go to Europe and just party and come back. Right. Um, And this was the first year that like she was away and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay home. Mm -hmm. And I stayed home and it was the hardest winter that I've been through. Like it was the first full winter I'd been through and I'd stayed in the cycle. It's almost like I'd done all this expanding and came close to contracting, but then expanded again and then contract and then expanded. And I never got the purification that was required from contracting. Now it did not feel comfortable in my system for a second, right? To the point where literally that winter, like there was no wife around. It was literally just me in my home like living as a bachelor. It was a really beautiful time though, because Never have you as and many people been in a six year relationship and all of a sudden become intimate with their own energy again. Right. My wife used to say things like, You're the messy one. And I was like, No, I'm not. We're both messy. And then she went away and I was like, fuck I am the messy one. (laughs) You know? It's like it is me. But it was also realized like I'm the I'm the I'm the guy with joy, you know, touch wood. Like I'm I'm the one that brings like the laughter. I'm the one that keeps people connected, you know? Um and she's really good at like caring for people. And so you become I became it was a really beautiful time for me. In there, that winter was what birthed the inspired evolution because I was feeling so compressed and so stuck and so just, Oh man, it's dark. I'm leaving at 5am. I'm coming home at 7pm. It's dark. When I leave, it's dark. When I come back, I'm just building towers. What the fuck is going on with my life? And it was just like, I don't know. You know? And I was literally ready to, I was ready to quit to go work in another country somewhere, some other career, whatever. And by some grace of God, my friends were all like, hey, man, you've got to do a podcast. And a mentor appeared and he was like, look, I want to set you up with a podcast, Brian Rose of London Real. And there was just this conversation around like, I realized at some point I woke up at 4 a.m. in the morning and realized I was this resistance piece. If I just got out of my own way and just, you know, gave Brian Rose thousands of dollars, I could just build a podcast and see where it goes. So I woke up at 4 a.m. and just said, you know what, fuck it. I'll just surrender and just see where it goes. What's the worst thing that happens? I got corporate money. I would have spent, you know, five to 10 grand on a, you know, 10 grand on a, on a learning how to podcast thing, but at least I have a podcast and if I don't use it, I don't use it, but I took a, took a thing and the podcast, when they decide, like he was coaching me, I was like, where do you, you know, who are you creating it for? And I was just, I'm creating it for me, man. Like I'm inspired to evolve. And like, I don't know, like I'm like the artist looking for himself in the paintbrush. Like that's, there's got to be another way to this. So it was the corporate nine to fiver. Six, mm-hmm. six, six how, years ago. how many
0: years ago is this?
1: This was three and a half years ago. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was just like, I'm going to s- just interview people that are living life on their own terms. Similar to yourself, brother, right? You lived your own, you've carved your own path. This is why I had you on the Inspired Evolution podcast. People are living life on their own terms, interviewing them. What are their ideas? What are their philosophies? How did they do it? And then share that back with people on the Inspired Evolution, hoping this is how an engineer thinks that I'll listen to, sort, like I'll listen to everybody's blueprints, and then just like China does with German engineered machines, like re just make a Chinese version of a German machine, right? <laughs> and I'll get pretty good, like I get a pretty good product, right? So that's what I was thinking. I was like, de-engineer everybody's like amazing stories, re-engineer them into my life, and try and find a way that you know these people have done. Because that was one of the things, like the people that inspired me were speakers and coaches and podcasters, but my job was not inspiring me but somehow i thought that these inspiring people i would be like one day but i wasn't doing anything in my day-to-day that looked anything like what these guys were doing mm. right which like right now when i say that you sounds so obvious but that it's, just wasn't there
0: it's so important you're sharing that and i think it's always a good reminder for me because i think there's this trait where i've certainly had this where for whatever reason if it's a friend telling me this i could exact i could be like dude I could tell them that, but when it's my own shit, I can get caught up in exactly what you just said of like not realizing that discrepancy. Okay. I had to just say that, but keep going.
1: (laughs) And so as of that point, like I just realized that there's this discrepancy and there was this moment of courage where I realized, man, I'm going to have to find some courage because my biggest fear was what does life look like without my day-to-day paycheck? And actually, just to honor the story, like it was really intense when I realized what courage was because I actually thought courage and fearlessness were the same things. Can you imagine being like 28 and not realizing the difference between courage and fearlessness? Like I always thought they were the same thing. And then I was literally eating an acai bowl on a construction site most people would have, Notice something right there. Everybody else is eating hot dogs and sausage rolls and sandwiches and pastrami sandwiches and shit. I'm sitting here on a construction site, hard steel, like steel cap boots, hard hat, eating an acai bowl with berries. <laughs> Pick the odd one out. But anyway, people, people can always see you better than you see you, I think, sometimes. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I just, just, divine intervention, pulled out my phone, Googled the word courage. And I'm looking at it and it goes, courage is not not having fear. Courage is totally having fear. And moving towards it. And I just fucking went, what? Holy shit. Courage is something you work on. It's something you cultivate. Fearlessness is something you have. It may be inherent as a trait. But courage, I need fear to have courage. And the very next thought that came tumbling down the waterfall in my mind was, my biggest fear is not having a paycheck. Life outside of this picketed fence that I'd been setting up for myself, you know, get a good job, get a good degree, you know, have a good family retire all that sort of stuff right what happens outside of this lane <laughs> you know what goes on out here <laughs> right it was my biggest fear and i realized in that moment that in order to be courageous i'm gonna to have to leave and so then i made the decision to leave and it took me a while to integrate all of that again the decision the realization, it took me six months to a year to integrate all of that to actually just pull the pin and move on and the, that was prior to me even deciding that I was going to do a podcast. Then, it, then the podcast came through and I just followed the signs and the podcast happens. So in there, now with the Inspired Evolution, I've come full circle and in its truest form, I believe in vitality. So now when I'm like, I've been talking probably for about an hour now, but I literally, for me, feels like seven minutes, if I'm honest with you guys. Like I'm in a flow state, yeah? And Jake gets it too when he's talking. Like conversation Is where i drop into flow and how dare i not design my life around where i drop into flow i don't even think flow is coincidental i can talk about that with Eckhart Tolle and Stephen Kotler our mutual friends but in there like now it's like i want to build my life around the things that matter to me the most which is conscious conversation right and that looks like podcasting coaching and speaking and how dare i not do that right Mm -hmm. and honestly spirit, that is like a spiritual perspective. And it's like, Oh yeah. Congratulations. amrit like touch wood. Well done. Like you went and did something you really love. Honestly, you've got a moral fucking obligation to do it. Right. Because I mm-hmm. know this is, this is not coming from a place of arrogance, but this is my truth. I'm going to be a better speaker than those people that are trying to be speakers when they're like, it's not their calling. Mm-hmm. It just is like, cause I'm just going to show up for it more cause I fucking love it. Like I'm podcasting every week. I've done so for three and a half years. I'm sharing ideas, connecting with people all the time, right? Now, if you feel like podcasting's a good idea and it's good for your business versus someone like me that just loves to talk, just loves to yeah. talk, I'm sorry. It's just not going to stack up. And I'm not saying that I'm amazing. It's just, I found the thing that I love. Please go find the thing that you love because you're going to smoke aces in that space. And that's what we need. More and more people to wake the fuck up and do exactly what you love doing. Because in that space, when you're killing it, as you know, having mastery is, one, is, is, a, is a trigger for a flow state, right? Mm-hmm. So then from there, it's like, boom, like I rocket this. Let me go. Let me have some fun. And you just show up vitality, brimming with enthusiasm, ready to do, ready to go. Your mental headspace, when you're doing the thing that you're meant to be doing, your purpose is just invincible. And that's the cornerstone of your health. That is your health, your headspace. from that place and your purpose, they're one and the same. If you're ever finding yourself unhealthy, question your purpose, what are you doing? Maybe you're not in alignment, right? And if you're feeling like you're off purpose, come home, look after your mental health, go see the psychologist, go see your therapist, chat to a coach, get realigned again. Health and purpose are the same thing. I'll just finish by saying, I thought that was me just carrying that message and I thought, you know, I had to wear this all by myself. But then uh, being on this path for this long, in the whole science of Ayurveda, which is like an ancient Indian science, right? At the whole heart of Ayurveda is your dharma. Health is Ayurveda, the science of health, is there to facilitate your journey of life, which is your dharma. And that's your dharma, which is your purpose. It's an ancient conversation, right? It's always been there. Your health and your purpose are the same.
0: You said so much there. My mind's like totally whirling about 10 different things. Um, How dare you drop so many wisdom bombs? But um, Okay. So first, one of the things I love that you said there, and I think the flips, so there's two sides to this. One, what you were saying about when you're doing the thing that you love, it just, it fuels you so much. And I can also speak to the other end of when you're in conflict with what's true for you, mm. feeling that resistance, and obviously there's healthy oh. stress, there's healthy resistance, but there's also the, the unhealthy Debilitating. and the unhealthy mm. had for me manifested in what I would call Lyme disease. So mm. I think what you're saying is so true on so many levels and, you know, from a avoiding health, but to be like, what you were saying is maximizing your life, living to that fullest potential, um, which I absolutely love. Another thing that you said that got me thinking, and you shared this offline with me, which I love so, so much. And this, I think, resonates with anyone who's kind of in the first parts of their journey. Mm. You're like, I mean, and anyone, everyone here has got to check out Unreed's channel, Inspired Evolution on YouTube. I mean, dude, you've connected with some of the most baddest people in the world. Like Asprey, Peer. You just interviewed the author of the, uh, the Body Keeps Score. Like, you're connecting with the dopest people. And Touch wood. what you told me, uh, I'm like, and it's like the most cliched shit, right? And this is what I love about you too. It's like you're, you're, you say things, you articulate in such a, a masterful way where it feels like sometimes abstract and esoteric, but it clicks, but you're also just fucking practical. You're like, here, here's the <laughs> fucking reality of it. You're like, dude, I just didn't give up. Like you talked about, it's been three and a half years. There's you, the, type, the caliber of people you get to talk to is inspiring. And you just told mm. me, yeah, I didn't give up. And I think that not giving up, and I've thought a lot about this, doesn't come from a place of finding the right tactic or strategy. It's when you love something enough, you're going to keep doing it because you love doing it. And then just by nature of of keeping going, you're going to find the path towards the quote unquote success, but it doesn't even fucking matter because you're already, (laughs) the journey is the destination. Totally Um, right. The
1: process. You love it. Yes. And you're just
0: like the the lighting example. Um, Fuck man, I could, I could ask you so many more questions, but I want to be conscious of time.
1: Damn it, touch wood.
0: <laughs> okay, but for, first, um, where can people connect with you online if they want to dive into uh, more of what you're bringing out to the world?
1: Absolutely. So YouTube is the the safest space because I'm not selling you anything on YouTube. <laughs> um, so just rock up, subscribe, hit the bell notification. I'm there launching episodes every week. Actually, Jake's episodes coming out soon as well, and that was an awesome episode, bro. You were so graceful to to interview as well um so thank you for that and uh, yeah these are the kind of conversations we're having on the weekly on the regular um literally the latest conversation that's coming out uh, close to this is limiting beliefs and how to move through them so this is the kind of stuff we're working on all the time where the inner world meets the outer world um and how best to navigate you know just the the life um if i had a punchline it's literally live the life you love is kind of the cliche one that we've got but What's in my heart is just enthusiasm for life. So that's that's what's going on in the Inspired Evolution on YouTube. And leave us comments and stuff because I that's me writing back to you in the comment section. There's also a really beautiful um, Facebook community called Inspired Evolution Community. It's
0: um, huge, man. You've got like a yeah. huge community there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people there. to just the amount of energetic support that people give each other in that space. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just I'm done. <laughs> You know, I just like man. This is just, yeah. Just someone would like share something like you know I'm feeling tender or vulnerable around this, and everyone would be like, yeah, man, I've got that. Or some things I don't even know about. Like sometimes, like someone someone will say things like Mercury's in retrograde, just hang out for like two weeks. I don't even know what that means. I'm- to direct message me facebook just uh, hit me up on facebook i'm there Um, i respond to my facebook messages it does take me a while there's a lot of inbound mail but i generally do get back to everybody um it's slowly tipping into a place where i almost can't do it just yet but yeah i'm still able to get back to pretty much everybody that direct messages me so yeah yeah that's probably the best places to get in touch with me
0: wow yeah and i i highly recommend um the youtube like you're, I mean, I like to watch the interviews too, mm, but, um, too. you know, or, or listening to your podcast, you, you bring on some incredible guests and you have a way to hold space that that brings out the, the best in in these incredible people you interview. Um, Man, I could ask you so many things, but especially talking with you too, like there's a lot, I mean, in the world and the people listening to the show, right? They're into mindfulness, they're into meditation, they're into a lot of the things that we both share common values. Mm. However, I will say that you like I could just tell it's embodied with you. Like you don't just talk about these things, you live it. And I've been meditating since I was 18. So for about six years, uh, I've never experienced, you know, any profound, crazy experiences. And I guess what I want to ask you is what has meditation, this is kind of a, a three, three questions in one. So take it anyway. Mm. What yep. has meditation brought you? Why do you recommend it to people? And what expectations should people have, but also not have that might be hindering them um, continuing with it or even
1: starting in the first place? Cool. So, one was what meditation has or has brought me. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one was expectations. What was the second question?
0: Oh, what was the second one? Okay, cool. I'll answer uh, those I'll answer. Yeah, let's start with those. I'll two. answer those. And we'll two. come
1: back. Cool. So, what meditation has brought me is probably most uh clear in what meditation hasn't brought me yeah it hasn't brought back my depression yeah so if you knew where i was and where i am now like Yeah, people look at Amber and they're like, dude, like touch wood. And I say this with like grace. People are like, dude, your laugh makes me laugh. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, like, do you know, like, you have no idea how much that actually means to me when you say that to me, right? Because literally seven years ago, I was depressed as fuck. And now you're saying this of the same person, right? And so when you say, like, what does meditation bring you? And I do often think, and that probably bleeds into the expectations pieces, Like, we're looking for nirvana or we're looking for samadhi, right? We're looking for these connection points. And, yes, they do come around, not super frequently, and I'll talk to the expectations pieces in a moment. But the thing that it has done for me is I know that I spend, I've got a practice where daily I'm connecting to the present moment, (laughs) yeah? And from there I'm connecting to something bigger than me that I believe in, right? which is not necessarily outside of me. It's within me actually. Yeah. But I'm connecting and talking about lost connections and depression. There's no depression touch wood. Yeah. It just isn't. And again, depression is not something you shed and you've put on for size. It's just that I'm not slipping back into the past. Yeah. Like I'm Mm. anchored here most of the time. Thanks to and practice of meditation. Right. So what has it gotten me? Well, Not a lot other than I'm just here with you now. Yeah. Mm. And a whole bunch of insights about myself that I can share with you with such grace, right? Which is like, by the way, this is my value system. This is where I was out. Why? Because I took time to introspect and sit, right, on the back of a meditation to think it, take time and time again and sort of unpack my stuff. So the fact that it kept my depression at bay and my anxiety at bay, right? And I'm here and spend most of the time in my presence, right? So that's really huge, really, really huge. Really, really huge for me so that's kind of what it has brought and i know it's not sexy i get it i really get that it's not sexy mm-hmm. yeah which well, thank is you for
0: that reminder that's i think that's, yeah. it's, it's for me <laughs> too. It's like oh yeah this isn't sexy sometimes it's doesn't feel like anything's happening but to your point it's what's not happening
1: mm, right it's because it's and maybe your challenges in life haven't been as big as mine i'm not wishing them upon you you know i'm not wishing bigger challenges into my world either Touch wood. Um, but having been through like a certain amount of challenges, it just, it means that much to me to just be in a really good space. Um, so the other thing about expectations as well is one of the things I noticed early on was I would only get this, you know, this yummy sadhana connection, samadhi, like nirvana kind of feeling. It wasn't that I wouldn't get it. I probably only get it like one in four meditations. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure if you can relate. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's like, like i would sort of yeah so I sort of sit down and there's like there's just one meditation where you're just smiling like you just you're just like uh-huh this feels good like right now and I had one yesterday actually um today wasn't like it and I was like damn it I lost it again <laughs> right um and but yesterday I had a meditation I was just sitting there and like the 20 minutes went by and I was like oh fuck not like another 20 and so i just sat there you know and my practice recently has been an hour and i've been learning to color back to 20 because i've been breathing and working with it for quite some time now so it's always i'm in different phases with it again to keep it exciting right to keep it moving to keep it shifting um so what i learned and this is how the engineer thought was it's not about oh it only works one in four times for me It was like, let me just cram in the other three times quicker so I can get to that fourth time sooner, you know? And that was just a, like me just playing, playing the odds with the casino of of God, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, of meditation. I was like, I'll just sit more frequently to get that meditation more frequently. In terms of expectations, it's, it's a tough one because if you didn't have expectations, you wouldn't bring yourself to meditate right? Like you have expectations. It's the same thing with like, when you go away on a meditation retreat or anything, you're going away with an expectation to, to become something, to experience something. And oftentimes when you go on a meditation retreat, it's like, I definitely didn't get what I, what I was looking for, but I found myself. Like I'm just, I was more comfortable just being me. And that's really what I needed. And that happens every single time I go in a meditation retreat. It's like, I'll carry an intention. i be like, okay, this time, like I'm calling in more abundance for my family. You know, we're setting up a family. We're going to get a new home abundance. I'm going to go meditate and pray for abundance. And I get there and it's just like, bro. Take a look at your life. You've got a beautiful wife. You've got a beautiful home. You are abundant. Shut the fuck up. was <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah. All right. My bad. My bad. Connect to the abundance that's already here and more abundance will come. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, so just be. And, you know, it always brings me back to that. So even I struggle with expectations, right? Um, but it always circles back to, you know, what just being really just coming back to what is and what's being. Mm. And it's really hard because you're using your mind to get you places in meditation, right? To get you to your meditation cushion, right? So using your mind to get you to your meditation cushion. Mind doesn't really wanna go there unless there's an expectation of what's gonna happen. Mm. When you get there, it's all good stuff, but none of your expectations are gonna be met, right? So knowing that about your mind, but then also remembering that that's just one dimension of the four or the five, yeah? Depending on how you wanna look at it. Mind, body, spirit, yeah? And heart, Mm. yeah? Meditation, great for your heart, great for your spirit. Great for your body, your nervous system, dropping back in. So the other three dimensions, love it, yeah? And just the stillness, the silence, what comes from that, your ability to observe, your ability to listen. So in that, you know, those plat those things are nourished. So So however you want to convince your mind, it's like, you know what? 20 minutes, let me sit. Now, one of the things early on, and this question is potentially for those that are tuning into meditation for the first time. So if you can sit for 20 minutes, let me ask you, just like in the background, how long can you sit for comfortably? And your answer maybe 20 minutes maybe 10 minutes maybe five minutes and my response to you is great your meditation time is half of that right so if you can sit comfortably for 20 meditate for 10 if you can sit comfortably for 10 meditate for five don't make it a slog don't make it arduous mm-hmm. sit for five and get to the point where it's like shit. you know i could have sat for longer stephen kotler talks about this in his book stealing fire the most important run like the most potent part of a run down a ski slope when you're doing it is not the beginning it's not the middle it's the end how you end and how you finish is most important because that's what's firing in your neurology when you get off the yoga cushion if you get off the yoga cushion every time and you set the town timer for 10 minutes and at 10 minutes your mind's like i'm so fucking distracted this was so painful what the fuck? i don't want to do this ever again (laughs) every that's the association you're building with meditation but if you leave in five minutes and you're like, oh, man, I was just getting into it, you're going to want to come back every day for five minutes just to get into it. And then maybe you bleed it into seven minutes, right? It's about the end of making it really yummy. So halve your time for meditation and you show up more consistently and it will be more of an enjoyable experience for those that are tuning in for the first time to meditation.
0: Mm, that is so good. And it's so funny you said that because literally yesterday I read the part in Stephen Kotler's book, uh, The Art of the Impossible, where he talks about mm. like it's scientifically proven Um, Mm. When you stop, when you have that momentum still and that excitement, you're much more inclined to pick it up the next day.
1: It's so annoying, though, because you don't want to. You don't want to, do you?
0: (laughs) Exactly. But as opposed, I've definitely done the opposite more more, where I'm burning myself out, trying to get Mm. further, and then I'm less inclined to get back to it. So thank you Mm. for that reminder. Um, Bro, I could talk to you literally all day. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I had like wrote out all these questions, but didn't even get into. So we'll we'll definitely have to do a, a round two at some point. But oh, just want to say honor. thank you, man, for real. It's been uh, we we had the honor of connecting through a Stephen Kotler group podcast, mm. and your energy lit up immediately on the call. <laughs> I so into I your work. Had the honor of being the flip script last week on your show. And man, what a what an honor to connect with you to dive into your story. And I'm so excited to continue following your journey and, and seeing what you create. So thank you for the time, the energy, the laughter, and the amazing <laughs> stories, bro. Oh, brother, Bear,
1: thank you so much. The honor is completely mine. I um I shared this to you. And when you came onto my show, it's, yeah, just your presence and your frequency, the space you hold really means so much to me. Like, you know, just the, the health and purpose conversation is, you know, your TED Talk anxiety, you know like how to heal that with purpose is literally you know my story is depression and healing that with purpose you know and just to feel that there's a brother out there that is literally like rolled up his sleeves and doing the same work and you know trying to have an impact on the world to just make it a better place um so people don't have to go through the challenges we did uh, man like yeah really you just your presence opens my heart so thank you so much for the work you do bro it's a real honor to to have been here and shared myself and i look forward to doing it again
0: mm, amen thank you bro Thank you guys for tuning in to that episode with Amrit Sandhu. He is truly a fascinating guy and make sure to check out all of his content and interviews on the Inspired Evolution. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode and have been digging the shows, it would mean so much to me if you could take 30 seconds and leave a quick review on iTunes to help more people find the show. Thank you guys for listening and have an amazing rest of your day.